Welcome to Keep Going, a podcast about failure and success, hosted by John Biggs. Every week, we talk to an amazing person about a time they failed and what they learned. And remember, when you're going through hell, keep going. Welcome back to Keep Going, a podcast about failure and success. Today the show BJ Mendelson. He's a author, humorist, a podcaster. Uh, you just started Waywo.tv, uh, a new podcast. Welcome, welcome, BJ. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's it's a pleasure to be to be here. And I think we did we did a podcast interview that I really enjoyed a few years back. And I, I for the life of me, cannot find the audio for it. But uh, it's great to speak with you again. Yeah. So like I, I do this. I this is a this is my penance. I think just to. I just because I was because I was so cruel to humanity over the years. I've decided to uh, to run this as sort of penance. Um, oh, I mean, I lo- I loved your work for for years. I think I've been reading your stuff, so um, no. no penance needed on the side. Okay, good. All right. Well, this is this is not about me. This is about uh, this is about your uh, your abject failures. Uh, and I I noticed on Twitter that you actually had uh, you had some uh, you're you're prepping for this. So I'm pretty excited to hear yeah. the story. Yeah, I mean, like all good failure uh, stories of disaster, it begins at a Nickelback concert. So. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, do you want me to just go into uh, the general background of it, or how would you like me to get into it? Yeah, just uh, just jump right in. I think uh, I think that's that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> sure. Uh, so, just some proper context. This is we're all going to take a trip back to the spring of 2002. I'm backstage at a Nickelback concert being held at Alfred State College, uh, which is a college in the middle of nowhere uh, mm-hmm. for people who live in Western New York. Uh, Alfred was known for a long time of being the town with one traffic light. Uh, so much so that the New York Times wrote a story about that, which I think is fascinating. And so I, it sort of planted in my mind this bug of this is amazing, right? Like this is so cool. You can you can turn a gymnasium into uh, a rock concert and you can have Nickelback and Sum 41 and I I want a part of this, you know, like I want a piece of this action. And so uh, coming off of, you know, because this is not too far removed from 9-11, I wanted to do something where I felt was just fun, something that was big and fun. And so I started putting together this idea of a large outdoor concert held at Alfred State. And so just uh, visually, like they've got these huge ass parking lots uh, that stretch for like a mile up in the back of the, of the campus and it's just really beautiful scenery. And I guess previously, Oh, hold on being interrupted by the dog. Uh, give me one second there. Sorry about that. Okay. She's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, previously they, I had learned that the grateful dead held a large outdoor concert uh, at that venue years and years ago. And I wanted to recreate that. So I've been really good over the years of talking a good game and getting people excited about shit. So yeah, once I started talking about things <laughs> like this, I was able to mobilize and, and get you know a lot of the students involved, a lot of the, the faculty and staff. And so this thing just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where I found myself in the offices of Rudolph and Beer, who at the time uh, were representing Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in there and we're talking about this and we're like, all right, how are you going to make this concert work? How are we going to make it a big success? Uh, and it's crazy to me that at like 18 years old, uh, I had like, I had like the contract writers for George Carlin, mm-hmm. uh, who, who I was always a big fan of, and, I, and like we were we were talking to his manager, and we were talking to 
uh, of course, Brittany, because we, you know, there's the connection there, and it all started to fall apart not long after that. And the, and the reason why is pretty simple. Uh, I, for years, have suffered from ADHD, and it's I am great at like planting the seeds and saying this is a big idea, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am I am absolutely terrible on the execution now. Like I am the worst at the execution, and I just could not, for the life of me. Uh, get it together past the point of the big idea, right? Like we at one point, everything was all set. We were talking about having Nintendo sponsor this thing. Uh, Nintendo didn't like some of the bands on there. So we went back to the drawing board and I just, I, I didn't understand the process well enough of securing advertising and getting getting the actual financials behind it. So yeah. to be clear, you, you basically created, you, you were about to create like a outdoor massive festival in a tiny yes. town yes. out in the middle of nowhere. And because, and because you were, because very similar to me, you like to, you like to start things, but not finish them. Exactly. Uh, exactly. It right. Didn't go so well. No, I mean, like, look, the, the thing about ADHD is that you're, if you're interested in something, you will hyper-focus on it until it's done. But if it's not interesting to you and what had happened here was once I had the bands and once I had the advertiser, I kind of lost interest in everything else. And there was just no, I'm 18 years old. I don't know shit about like how to put on mm-hmm. a, a big concert. So like the actual infrastructure of holding the show was not something that I was capable of doing. And there were people that, that were helping me, but I was terrible at like communicating what I needed and and being able to be like, all right, well, this is where the stage is going to go. So it just sort of imploded um, completely because I, I, I lost interest in it. Like there's no other way. I know it sounds insane, right? Like mm-hmm. saying, saying it out loud, but uh, it just the way my brain works is once the paperwork started, I was like, okay, I'm out. Uh, someone else figured this out. And so it, it was a major failure on my part, but you know, it was, was there, there was nobody else to figure it out. Right. Yeah. No, uh, you know, there was, I was talking with a couple of people. Uh, I mentioned Rudolph and beer. And so like, they were helping me with, with the advertising uh, and, and a little bit of the management front of like getting the contract writers sorted out and then smoothing things out. Like Nintendo had a problem with the band filter. Uh, I, don't mm-hmm. know if, I don't know if anyone remembers filter, but um, so like they helped with stuff like that, like saying, okay, we'll go, we'll go and get another headliner. But yeah, the actual execution, but there was, there was nobody. Cause what had happened on the campus was it had gone on for so long. They had been talking about it that they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This thing isn't happening. Uh, so everyone kind of moved on. And so, yeah, it just sort of fell apart and it always stuck with me. Cause to me, it's still a great venue. It's still a great place. I think. Uh, I mean, New York has a long history of these big outdoor concerts, most of them good, one of them being particularly bad, Woodstock 99. But uh, yeah, I just, to do something fun in the middle of a time when everyone was kind of scared and paranoid, I mean, we're not too far removed from the anthrax thing at the mm-hmm. time At the time that this is happening. Uh, it, you know, I just, it still sticks in my craw a bit today, thinking about it. Hmm. So... This is this was sort of a self-immolation to a degree. Oh yeah, it wasn't definitely <laughs> self-immolation. Okay. Yeah, I I think most of my failures can be persona could be just defined as self because of the this exact reason of you know having the idea, getting excited about it, bringing it close enough to the finish line, and then sort of walking away and going, oh yeah, I'm on I'm onto something else now. So have you solved that problem? A little bit. Uh, I still the ADHD is still there. Uh, when I was 18 years old, I also had a what would later be revealed to be a malfunctioning heart. Um, mm-hmm. My heart was only working at about 80% capacity um, for most of my life until I was 30, which it almost killed me. 
Um, but after I had the heart surgery, I was able to focus a bit more and went into therapy. And uh, I started to do all the things they tell you to do when it comes to ADHD, you know, like setting timers, making sure everything is planned, like to the T for the day uh, that's coming. But there's still moments, right? Like I've struggled for years to write a sequel uh, to social media is bullshit because I, I get excited about it and people ask me about it, but then I just lose interest and move on to other things. So it's, it's still there, but not as bad. Hmm. What do you think is uh what do you think is some advice? I mean, first off, how did, how were you diagnosed? How did they figure it out? Yeah. So it didn't come until after I had the heart surgery, right. Where I was able to think, I was never able to think clearly. So there's a, a litany of failures between starting with this concert, right, and going through my marriage uh, up until the first book coming out, because the, the heart surgery came not long after the first book came out, where I, I just consistently shot myself in the foot over and over and over again. After the heart surgery, you know, when you almost die, because I, I flatlined and they had to, you know, they had to hit me with the paddles a couple of times, you know, you, you have that moment of reflection, right, of, mm-hmm. oh, crap. I, you know, I, I'm 30 and I've I've wasted my 20s on stupid shit like this. Uh, and, and so that was sort of the moment when, you know, I started to see a therapist and started to read about ADHD and started to learn a bit about my upbringing and, and growing up in a pretty abnormal environment, uh, which impacted the way I think. And, and that was really the moment, like almost dying, I think, was the moment where I was like, OK, we need we need some serious self-reflection here. Would there have been a way for you to do that self-reflection if you didn't have that? that experience that I mean that drastic experience really no um I mean I think a lot about my marriage right like my you know that like she was awesome um but was victimized by my ADHD and inattentive inattentiveness um which is just really shitty and something I still kick myself I I kick myself over all of these things but I I could not think clearly because my heart wasn't working you know like it, Mm -hmm. it was it was functional enough to get me up and moving but my first year at college you know i i slept most of the time and uh skipped a lot of classes because i i just was always tired and and so yeah if not for the heart surgery i don't i think i would still be making the same mistake hmm. so i mean so i guess how do we how do we avoid that or is it even possible unless there's some kind of massive unless some kind of massive change is forced upon us you know i think historically what we see throughout human history is that when something cataclysmic happens, that's the moment of change. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I know that there's different theories of history. Some people tell you history is written in the margins, uh, which is also true. But I I just think that sometimes all of us, we just need a big shock to our system. But for people who don't want to live through (laughs) two massive back-to-back heart surgeries, what I would recommend, and I know it sounds really basic and simple, is just mindfulness. And I don't mean like the the toxic kind of like mindfulness industry that that's popped up over the past 10 years. But I just mean taking the time with yourself, right. Mm -hmm. And making sure you block out a meeting with yourself. I I found that to be immensely helpful because then, you know, it's on you because with the ADHD, you have to schedule everything, but just taking that one hour a week to sit down and say, all right, am I where I want to be? And if not, why not? And where do I want to be and what are the steps I need to take? And just repeating that process over and over and over again. It's goofy as hell. I'm not going to lie to you. Like you will feel stupid doing Mm -hmm. it like the first 90 days until the habit sticks because it takes about 90 days for a habit to stick. But once you get consistently in the rhythm of doing that, 
you'll find yourself saying, okay, what are the answers to these questions? And in that you'll see, okay, well, maybe I do need therapy. Maybe the solution is to take my phone away. Like this is the thing that I've, I struggle with. My phone has to be in another room mm-hmm. for, for me to work on something, right? Because it's otherwise I'm just distracted by it. But you won't know until you sit down and take that time because only you, only you know what you need, right? Like therapy is amazing. I can't recommend it enough, but something that that's come out of therapy for me over the past five, six years that I've been doing it is just, just taking time to listen to what you need and then being able to deliver on that. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like, I mean, I think, I think a lot of the electronics and a lot of the devices that we're using now are they're trying their hardest to prevent us from like staring at Reddit at four in the morning, right. but we, we just refuse to accept their, we accept, refuse to accept their counsel, which is kind of frustrating, I think. Yeah, you know, I've been teaching, I've been teaching a lot and doing a lot of research on digital detox, uh, mostly because I needed it. And so from that, I was like, okay, maybe other people would find it helpful as well. And I, I think about the, the biggest pain point I still have is Twitter, right? Like I have been addicted to Twitter for 15 years now, 15 years as of January 2023. And so I haven't yet been able to cut that cord, but I know, mm-hmm. uh, I know it's a time waster. I know the statistics and research say that when you're constantly doing like these micro tasks, it takes a half hour for your brain to get back to the thing that you were doing before you went away the tweet. Uh, so that's, I mean, look, I still struggle with a lot of the things that we that I talked about, but uh, I'm definitely better at it. And uh, it's hard, right? Because these things are built to be essentially digital narcotics. Like Twitter, Twitter mm-hmm. is a digital narcotic. Like there's no other way around it. And so it, it can be incredibly difficult to separate these things out of our lives. Hmm. Okay. So the, so the, so mindfulness is the, mindfulness is the answer, but it, 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 it hasn't solved everything yet. No, uh, do you think you there know, is ever a solution? No. Uh, I think for me, I have a pretty severe case. So I think for me, it's, this is going to be a lifelong journey. I, I think that I'm in an extreme example though. So I think for most people who might be dealing with some, some more minor ADHD uh, or just may have ADHD like tendencies. There's definitely solutions out there. Um, I know this will sound crazy, but there have been studies to suggest that ketamine can help with depression. And, you know, a lot of people's ADHD is fed through the depression, right? Because there, there's, there's a reason why you're inattentive. There's a reason why it's hard to focus, you know, whether you're, you're not satisfied or for me, I'm constantly bored, but if you you know have something that's that's coming from an inner depression, there are treatments now that have been statistically and verifiably proven to to reduce things like that. So I'm not going to recommend people to go into that because that again is mm-hmm. a little on the extreme side. But what I would say is you know everything that you hear and read about when it comes to ADHD, the reason why you keep seeing it over and over again is because it's good advice. The challenge is sticking with it, and so the best thing I can recommend is actually getting a physical calendar. And marking down the days when when you've had a good day. So like right now I'm looking at December. I've got December 14th has an X in it. It's got an R in it and it's got a W in it. So that what that means is I spent a half hour reading things I need to be reading. I spent a half hour writing on the things I need to be writing on. And the X through it is I spent an hour at the end of the day just jotting down things into a bullet journal of you know mm-hmm. just doing a big brain dump. And I found that doing those three things have been incredibly helpful. And so I think having that physical presence somewhere in your room uh, is very helpful in trying to address these things. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's actually great advice. That seems, I mean, I, I feel like I could probably use that as well. 
it's uh i think i think i think our minds are kind of working in the same way you have the idea and once the idea becomes less shiny there's really no impetus to finish it which is kind of frustrating yeah you know the thing i found is that you can't go more than two days if you start something and then you don't work on it for more than two days you will probably not go back to it so mm-hmm. what, I, what i found is i am constantly mindful of you know did i work on the thing i need to, need to work on today and if i didn't then i know okay well one day is fine but two days is if i miss those two days i'm not going to get back to it yeah i mean i think it's it's almost like 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 prayer or davening or whatever you want to call it like the yeah. idea that i do these podcasts the podcasts they they get me they get me approximately 0 dollars uh but i get to talk to cool people and it's something once a week that's kind of focused and and kind of uh kind of encourages me and I think it's probably the same way in your situation encourages yes. in, encourages the, the ability to reach out the ability to think creatively etc cetera, etc cetera. and I think that's what a lot of people are missing when they're when you hop in the car drive to the office or not on the office anymore but but walk down to the basement in front of the computer sit there for eight hours and then go back upstairs to watch tv I think there's that injection of forced forced creativity is uh, is missing in a lot of cases Absolutely. I mean, like for me, I have where I'm talking to you is right next to my bed, right? So there's no separation here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, working from home has been incredibly challenging, I think, especially if you've got ADHD, because if you have, I like, for example, I have a work computer. I never use it. I I just use mine. And that's bad, right? Because I think that it's important to have that physical separation of you have a work computer, you should do your work on your work computer, and you should do that in a different location. And, you know, it's very easy. I'm surrounded by cats right now, right? So, like, if I'm into something, uh, it's very easy for me to turn around and start petting the cat and forget <laughs> what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So, I think COVID has made this exponentially harder for so many of us. And that's, you know, like you said, that's the reason why I, did, I started doing the podcast was that I needed something that was mine that was consistent, right? So that I had something to look forward to, something that would drive me to stick to the schedule that I've created for, for work and everything else. Because if I don't do my work, I'm not able to do the podcast. So it's almost like a reward of if you do a good job, you get to do the show and talk to like Christina Chong from Star Trek, Stranger Worlds, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, you know, I've made it. So I think incentives are really important when you're, when you struggle with things like this. All right. So the podcast is, what are you working on? Uh, yes. You can find it. You can find it basically anywhere uh check it out who do you got over here you got to see i mean you basically just talk to artists right and and cool and cool people yeah i've I've tried to focus on creators that i admire and enjoy and then actors that i like but it's really something that exists for everybody uh the reason why i started the show is because i heard over and over and over again uh working in marketing and working in pr is i feel uncomfortable presenting my own stuff right like I just people consistently would say I, I hate selling my own stuff so I wanted a space that you can come on and just promote yourself and that's that's why you're there mm-hmm. like that's the entire purpose for doing the show and for me you know I I'm a caregiver I take care of uh, two mentally disabled brothers and two elderly parents so I don't get a lot of chance to socialize and so for me the podcast was an opportunity to talk to interesting people and you know I, I assume it's mm-hmm. it's sort of the same with you and doing this show it's just the way to yep stay connected all right super uh bj thanks for joining us uh folks can check out the podcast it's online uh google podcast apple spotify all that other good stuff uh thanks for this this has been really helpful yeah no i'm happy to do my part thanks for having me on 
This has been Keep Going, a podcast about failure and success. I'm John Biggs. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Keep Going. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. And remember, when you're going through hell, keep going. Your feathers so cool.